All right, welcome to the Armchair Commanders podcast. My name is John. And I'm Jack. And this week we are discussing Peter Berg's Lone Survivor starting, starting, starring Mark Wahlberg. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, you mean? Right. So, as we uh, always start, what'd you think, Jack? Man, I kind of forgot that that ginger kid they haze in the beginning dies. Keep well, in mind, kind of the... I, I have seen this movie, our dear listeners, I have seen this movie, but that was 10 years ago. I went and saw it in theaters with my beloved co-host, John. Yeah, we uh, we saw it like a week or two after it came out. Yeah. Man, those are the days when we just... Damn it, Rangers lead the twins. Uh, those are the days when we would just be chilling in the dorms. And then we one of us would be like, hey, this movie's in town, let's go. And we would just do it. I think for that one, we actually like drove over to Yankton 4. Are you sure? Yeah, I think so. Because it, have... it was in that shitty mall. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yes, the Yankton Mall. I swear, like, for those of you that haven't been to the Yankton Mall, I swear to God, that's like the edge of the known universe. It's a, it feels like I'm in an ancient ruins of a long-forgotten civilization, but I'm doing something mundane. Instead of, like, taking artifacts and dodging booby traps, I'm just seeing a movie. I always like to think of uh, the Yankton Mall as, like, the post-apocalyptic... Like, you know, what what was it like the Dawn of the Dead remake where uh, they all hide out of the mall? That's the Yankton Mall. I didn't see the Dawn of the Dead remake. It It's fine. But <laughs> minus minus the uh, like places to eat, though. Well, there's like one place to eat, wasn't there? I honestly, it's been so long, I don't remember. Ah. But however... Yeah, that the scene in question uh, where they make him do a dance and publicly humiliate him, and then they make him recite that poem about being a Navy SEAL. Yeah, that that's the scene that stuck out to me in my memory the most. And I didn't, I, I guess I didn't catch it the first time that that guy dies. Well, that's kind of the... Uh... The whole premise of this movie is that everybody dies. Well, yes, I understand that, but... If you couldn't catch that from the title no, of the like, movie... You see what I'm saying, though? Like, yes, I get everyone and his, his little squad dies in their little excursion, but I didn't catch that uh, ginger kid going into the aircraft and getting blown up. But anyway... Uh... Oh, yeah, and the other scene that stuck out to me is that very visceral scene of them falling down the mountain. And I even rem I do remember, like, somebody even stifling a laugh at, that, at the end of that when he, like, lands back first onto a tree. That was... That is an intense scene, but it, you gotta admit, it is a little comical. I mean, it's the reason why slapstick works. Yeah. I just don't know why the director edited it in all those cartoonish sounds like bonk. <laughs> like like it was an Ed Ed and Eddie episode. I think uh if I'm not mistaken, uh most of the guys in that scene did their own stunts and uh most of them walked away with like cracked ribs and like like some serious injuries from shooting that scene which i mean props to them if they they actually went through and you know like suffered that fall hope they got paid well you know marky mark got paid a lot so oh yeah he was he was making that 90s rapper turn 2000 2010s actor money I just, I want to know what it is, like, why is Peter Berg and Mark Wahlberg got, like, such a hard-on for each other? Because they're homies? I don't know, man. 
I guess he's a really big fan of Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. <laughs> it's just... I really got to stop bringing that up. It... Like, don't get me wrong. I... I greatly enjoyed this movie, and I have an, I've greatly enjoyed other movies featuring Mark Wahlberg, and that has been uh, directed by Peter Berg. If I'm not mistaken, they also did Patriots Day together, which was about the Boston bombing, and then they also did um, the Deepwater Horizon movie as well. Oh, yeah, I vaguely remember that one. I remember thinking it was weird how quickly they churned that one out. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, you know, like Michael Bay is made fun of for having his own particular style. Um, I think Peter Berg is very much the same way where he produces a very specific type of film and he has a couple of go-to actors and uh, like, even if you don't know anything about the story, you, you more or less know what you're signing up for before you go into the movie. Like... You're, you're going to get some like motivational, like America fuck yeah type film. And you're going to get Mark Wahlberg shooting at people or yep. be, being some sort of hero. I remember reading somewhere <clears throat> that this movie is a good example of how even high level D&D characters can face their match. <laughs> And I, I guess they also show this in the movie by showing the grueling training the Navy SEALs go through in the intro credits. And also there's that scene of these big burly Navy, Navy SEALs like trudging up the mountain. And then it, while at the same time the kid they, they captured and cut loose is just racing down the mountain and gliding down it pretty much. And one that's one of my. Like, how did they? How did they catch us so fast? That's because they live there. They're they're used to the mountains. Yeah, home field advantage, man. It's kind of like when they sent the uh, old man with the message. They're like, really? We're sending the seventy year old dude with the the super important message. Like, hope he doesn't have a heart attack on the way over. Man, I wish there. Were translations to what they were saying or it... <sighs> I honestly I kind of appreciated not having the translations for the Afghan people there were because some. I mean yeah there was some but the the moments that they didn't like it kept you in the loop or the perspective of Marcus Luttrell who was the guy who survived this operation um, you know, he doesn't he doesn't speak the local dialects. So in those scenes where, you know, we're just as confused as he is because he's like, what the fuck are you saying? So that was that was one technique that I, I did appreciate. I wish they had stuck to it like completely, but I, I get the the diversion occasionally. Mm hmm. I don't know about you, but I, I kind of also found it interesting, slight change in topic, but, you know, you mentioned this, the beginning of this movie starts off with footage of like Navy SEAL training, and it's from a, a pretty well-known documentary. It was like a six or seven part series from the early 2000s. Um. <clears throat> If I'm not mistaken, that particular documentary was actually filmed like it was like one or two classes before or after Marcus Luttrell actually went through his own Navy SEAL training. So it's it's like really closely linked to him as well. Yeah. Um, but I found it interesting that, you know, for a war for a war movie about Afghanistan and America's involvement in it. Like, we don't mention 9-11. We don't mention, you know, it's not a topic of discussion in the film, like, why we're here. 
uh, I mean, the most we really dig into like motivations for the SEAL team is literally this one mission. We are going after this one guy because he has killed other U.S. soldiers in this area. Um, with that opening training sequence and with like the the overtone of like the background speaking of like it's the it's setting the tone for this film to be much more survival or overcoming adversity as the main theme and not a like look at our 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 brave you know whatever like in the fight against terrorism it's 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 definitely more of a camaraderie and survival type film yeah uh, and i could think of no better survival setting than 2000s I, afghanistan well of course maybe 2020s afghanistan Is that Sorry, too soon? Is it? It's. A, is it still a country? I, I don't remember. Afghanistan. Yes, it's still a country. It's just called so- something different now. Um, I actually looked this up earlier. Oh, they actually like Afghanistan renamed itself. Hold on. Officially, the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan now. Okay, it's still Afghanistan. Yeah. Like, they just added some honorific titles to it. I don't remember what they were called before, but it definitely wasn't that. I always found it funny. Like, obviously there's a whole conversation around the whole U S exit of Afghanistan. But the one thing I found hilarious around that situation, not the, you know, the obvious, like terrible, you know, refugee status and all that stuff um but the afghan government apparently held a large amount of its treasury with us and when the democratic afghan government fell and the taliban took over the U.S. was like, yeah, we don't recognize the Taliban as a legitimate government, so we're just going to hold on to this. Yeah, that whole thing has been interesting to watch unfold. It's, it's definitely interesting to think that, you know, obviously a big part around that crisis was that the, the taking in of refugees, people who are trying to leave because they didn't want to be under Taliban rule. Um, you know, one of the, the big characters in this movie, his name is Gulab. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a real person. And, uh, you know, he's credited with the reason why Marcus Luttrell survived uh, this entire ordeal. Um, apparently it took even with the amount of help that he provided to Marcus Luttrell and like the, the great service that he did, it still took like years for him to, to immigrate to America. I mean, he lives in Texas now, but it was still even like a long and arduous process for, for someone like him who helped in the way that he did. So I couldn't even imagine how difficult it would be for somebody who's just trying to leave because they're like, you know, this is, this is a shitty situation. I don't want to be here. Do you know the name of the village that he found himself at? Uh, Not off the top of my head. I don't remember. Mm. I think it was somewhere in the Korangal Valley, but. You do, um, or you have read the book, right? Yeah, I was a I was a big fan of the book when it came out. Um, I read it like two or three times in high school. Nice. Mm. You already know what I'm gonna ask, but what are the major differences between the film and the book that you remember? 
there's quite a few actually um you know the book the book is a little more autobiographical of marcus luttrell because it starts with him like from childhood then go like he talks about going through his seal training and then you know his experience in afghanistan uh his book also includes something that i think this film really could have used or i would have appreciated which is um you know when this operation happened it was a major news story because you know i forgot the exact number but it, it was like 20 or 30 uh individuals from the special operations community died in one day so it was like cnn fox news level uh story and the way that this film portrays it is it makes it looks like it's one or two days but it was it was longer than that in the book if i remember correctly like it was it was multiple or quite a few days before he actually got rescued but one of the things that he discussed in his book was what his family went through for that like those few days or the week that he was missing um because there was a lot of people who presumed him to be dead but he was still unaccounted for um and it talks about like what his mom went through and he actually has a twin brother who is also a navy seal and uh it talks about what his brother went through as you know somebody who was also a part of that special operations community but was but who was stateside while it happened um i i definitely would have liked to have seen that um i think it could have added a lot to this film i understand why it wasn't added because this film is very much uh very much focused on just telling the story of this battle and of Marx's uh, survival, but it definitely, it definitely could have added quite a bit of depth to it. And I didn't actually know he had a twin brother until today when I looked this up. Yeah. His, uh, I'm mistaken. His brother's running for Congress now, or did run for Congress. I I don't remember. I think he's currently um, shit, some politician in Texas now. Yeah, the other big difference, and it's kind of a high point of contention, is the amount of Taliban fighters that we see. Um, and the, the numbers are, are honestly kind of all over the place because you have one analyst who I think he was like a, like a Marine Corps analyst or something who had spent a lot of time in Afghanistan who was part of the investigation or whatever and he put the the numbers at like a dozen Taliban fighters. Um, Michael Murphy's uh, Medal of Honor's uh, report or citation puts it at like 40 or 50 fighters. And then I think the book put it at like 200 fighters. So... Mm-hmm. it's it, there's you know there there never was and there never is going to be a way to truly be able to tell 100 percent what the size disparity in forces was but i mean even on the lowest end of that spectrum you know they were still outnumbered if you think mm-hmm. a 12 v a 12 v4 fight is still you know a three to one battle um if if we're just going by personal opinion i think probably the medal of honor citation is 
the most correct or probably the most feasible one or the most likely um that like 40 to 50 number but yeah um, i just got to that about the whole controversy with the number of combatants it's a big who knows and at the end of the day does it really matter not really i mean i mean yes and no um you know obviously you know when you when the book came out and when you read like 200 versus 4 battle you're like holy shit this is this is a hardcore battle but i mean you know even with a 50 against 4 battle that's still like it's it's important in the matter of storytelling but at the end of the day the the most important thing i think to recognize is that these guys were outnumbered and were not fighting on their home turf and you know they still put up a very impressive and you know courageous fight and i think that's the most important takeaway from both the book and the film Yeah. Man, yeah. This movie was brutal. Yeah, it was uh it was very graphic. The the one that really got me was uh when Danny Dietz uh got his hand shot or got like his like his finger blown off. Yeah. I was like, ah like that was one of those moments where you like you like you just think about what that would have felt like and it just makes your skin crawl. I have an idea on what losing a flange feels like. Oh, do you now? I do. <laughs> You've seen my foot, man. Yeah, I, it... I really I really felt that one scene when I think it was Dax Shepard's character gets shot in the foot. Through the toes specifically, I believe. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he just, he, like, limps away. Yeah, and he makes a noise, something like, God. Man. Some some of the dialogue, it, it was hard not to laugh at, like, like the the line from uh, Emil Hirsch, who plays Danny Dietz. He's like, they shot my fucking hand. Did I just get shot in the head? That was, that was another um, moment in the book that was very powerful that I think was done well in this film was the, the moment where Marcus is, is looking at Axe and he's like, yeah, you, you got shot in the head. Like that was, uh, according to Marcus, that was, that was a real, real thing that occurred prior to them getting separated. Which, I mean, I don't even know, like, obviously, it's not impossible to operate as a human being with a head injury, but that seemed like a, like a pretty severe head injury to still be functioning through. Yeah, that takes... And man, if I were shot in the head, I'd just be done. <laughs> I'd probably just lie down and, and quit right there. <laughs> just take a little nap. I think it's it's called a forever nap at that point, but... <laughs> hmm. And who, would... was, who, who were they after? Some high-ranking uh, Taliban guy? Yeah, I've Ahmed Shah, I think. He was a Yeah, Ahmed a Shah. Ta uh Taliban leader. Which that was a another kind of big difference is um the the final battle scene in this movie where like the Apaches come in and like do their gun run and like save Marcus from 
like death at the very last second and it's like very you know yeah sparta like that kind of deal um that didn't that didn't happen um the at this time the taliban didn't really have the resources or the ability to expend the the political capital to to wipe out an entire village like they they wanted marcus luttrell very badly but they weren't going to to wipe out an entire afghan village to to get this dude um but there is in the book there was multiple instances where they tried uh negotiating to get him or what have you and uh that's where the whole like village protecting him thing comes into big play where they're like they told the taliban to to pound sand basically and uh they would end up paying for it after the fact like gulab had his home attacked a couple of times after this instance or this incident but um yeah there don't get me wrong it was it was entertaining and impressive but like the idea of the villagers like carrying marcus up the side of a mountain to meet a helicopter i think would be just as inspiring or entertaining as apache gun run but you know hollywood is what it is oh yeah it is what it is and then yeah we got that um heartwarming scene where he asks them to take him with and then they say no but then he says thank you to the dude and hugs the kid if i remember correctly i think in real life gulab was allowed to go on the helicopter No security um, checks. Well, I think it was uh, just a play-by-ear decision, I guess. I mean, he did did hand-deliver this dude that the Taliban wanted alive, so... That's true. Man. Yeah, the way they also the yeah, the way they did the injuries. I know I'm getting back to this. We're very good in this. They did very good in that department. No. It makes they, me not want to get shot. Yeah, no. It, <laughs> there goes my weekend plans. Oh, were you just gonna take the the 12 gauge behind the shed and take off a couple of more toes or yep see if i could dodge it this time mm. so what are you drinking tonight uh so from the denver beer company the same brewery that brought you princess yum yum um <laughs> <laughs> I am drinking Peach Daddy, which is a Jesus Christ. Is a peach cobbler ale. Oh yeah. Yeah, it tastes quite good. Huh. Well, I'm drinking oh, what the hell is this even called? Kickball Sour Ale from Remedy Brewing Company in Sioux Falls. It is a sour ale with raspberry. And you know me, I love my sour beer and I love my fruity beer. And it's not Berry Noir, but I'll have to make do. That's fair. So sugary, you can feel your teeth. That that doesn't sound like a good selling point. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Man. I wish Matthew was here again so he could give us that look of English disgust about our beer choices. Yeah, I felt kind of ashamed after that episode. (laughs) 
you shouldn't because this is America and we'll drink what we want. <laughs> America. Fuck yeah. But, but speaking of America, I did I did like a lot of the one-liners in this where they're exhausted and on that false peak of the mountain. What are you going to do when you get home? I'm going to crawl into bed and watch Anchorman. Perfectly dates the movie to 2005, by the way. That was a great reference, especially. It you was. Because, yeah, and people were still, well, okay, they're still quoting it today, but there was like at the height of its quote, ugh, quotability in 2005. Right. There is a lot of great just one-off conversations in this, like uh, Michael Murphy uh, talking to Marcus about Arabian horses. It's like your wife's got good taste. And like the naming of the things involved in the mission, like the pickup points. uh, This one's called Coors. This one's called Bud Light. This one's called Schlickets. (laughs) The target is designated as Rick James. And uh, we got a positive idea on the red egg. The redneck chief. Rick James, bitch. Well, you have to imagine, like, how many missions do these guys go on? So, like, at a certain point, you you can't be, like, you can't have cool, like, just, like, super serious names, like, you know, World War II, like, Operation Overlord, Operation Market Garden. You know, it, <laughs> you got to have fun with it at some point. Yeah, you do. And I think we've mentioned this before, but that classic dark military humor, hence the laughing at that dude getting shot in the head. I, uh, you, you know, speaking of like that military humor, the, the moment that made me laugh the most in this was early on in the movie. Uh, so the real Marcus Luttrell uh, was actually... Uh, he had a cameo in this film. Um, and early on, they're all sitting around like a picnic table having lunch or whatever. And the young guy, his name is Shane Patton. And That's he keeps talking Shane about, Patton. yeah, he keeps talking about, he's like, man, am I going to get to, to go on this mission? Like, am, am I going to get selected? And, uh, you know, they're just giving him shit and they all stand up. And uh, there's one character who is unnamed, and that's the real Marcus Luttrell. He's like, you know what you can do to start fitting in around here? And Shane's like, what? And he just, like, knocks over all the coffee cups that are on the table. He's like, clean this shit up, and he just stands up and walks away. Did Marcus Luttrell play anyone in particular in this movie, or did he just just appear? Um, I think he just appears. I'm not 100% certain. But he has another moment uh, right before the, the Chinook gets shot down. He's at the very back. So like when all the like the the like quick reaction force Navy SEALs, when they're about to repel in to to save their buddies um it zooms in and it shows like him in the back of the helicopter and then yeah. it, it shows the helicopter exploding i thought that was a very good uh kind of symbolic gesture because you know in his book and he he's become a, a public speaker and has been very active in the like the veteran community and like has been big on supporting people through ptsd and whatnot you know, he talks about, you know, obviously this is a super traumatic event and he went through a lot with this, but, you know, having him be on that helicopter, you know, I think is a good symbology of basically like him feeling like, you know, it's a good representation of him losing everything that day. Man, but I don't know how I feel about having the guy that was actually there die in the movie that feels kind of hmm that's a choice 
it is a choice but if i remember correctly they like peter berg like the the production of this film was very uh heavily influenced by or if not heavily influenced they they sought a lot of opinions from the family members during the production of this so i i think that's where you can get away with that is because you know if they're going to bring something up and like if any of the family members said no like that's not right i would almost guarantee that marcus wouldn't have taken part in that scene yeah But did you notice the other spectacular cameo in this film? Don't tell me you were in this. No. Oh, who was it? Are you familiar with a guy named Dan Bilzerian? Wait, Dan Bilzerian? Dan Bilzerian? No, our our Armenian American poker player. I don't keep up with that kind of thing. Oh my. Okay, well, after this, I'm going to have to send you some uh, some reference materials. Anywho, Dan Bilzerian, as Jack mentioned, is a poker player. He is a. What's the best way to put this? He is a professional douchebag. Um, wow, it looks like it. So he is a social media personality currently. A very big Instagram following. Um, you know, very much uh, like, look at me with my, my bitches on a yacht kind of guy. <laughs> Sorry, I just read a certain part. I'll continue. Um. He made a lot of money uh, doing World Series of Poker. He himself was in the Navy. Uh, he went through BUDS, which is the Navy SEAL training, entry-level training program, two or three times and washed out all three, two or three. Every time he tried doing it, he washed out. Uh, and he that was his entire Navy career was attempting to become a SEAL. And then he left once his term was up. Um, and it's hilarious because you can look up interviews with him where he makes the statement like, yeah, I did like I did buds two or three times and like i i probably spent more time in buds than any other person like i'm i am a navy seal but he he never he never got his trident he was not like you know never never got the the sign off like he's just a dude who flunked out of the classic multiple times um but that that to kind of tells you the the mentality that this dude has is like you can't tell me I'm not a Navy SEAL. I I did this three times. No, you failed it three times. That's what you did. <laughs> How you spin it, I guess. Right. But he's also, oh my God, th- this dude is, he is a piece of work. He was, uh, do you remember the Las Vegas uh, country musical shooting? The, the Mandalay yes, Bay Yes, I do. Incident? That's the part. That's the part I was reading about how he demanded that cop's gun. So there's, there's a a whole nother side tangent to that. Uh, But anyways, yeah. During the Mandalay Bay shooting, he goes up to a cop and is like, Hey, give me your gun. I'm also a cop. And this Las Vegas Metro PD dude is like, I don't fucking know you get the way, get the fuck away from me. Like, um, that was actually there was a whole scam i forgot where it was it was either nevada or utah or something where basically there was this air quotes police department in a town of like a hundred people and essentially what 
the chief of police was doing was a lot and it like a lot of celebrities took advantage of this basically they would pay this one man police department a fee or make a donation or whatever and then they would get put on as again air quotes reserve police officers and get um law enforcement credentials it, it was basically this over overcomplicated way of being able to conceal carry wherever you wanted essentially um which is where dan blazarian comes in with this i'm a cop thing i was like no you're not again <laughs> you just paid <laughs> some dude an undisclosed amount of money to have a fucking id card like but he is in this film for all of three seconds. Uh, and he actually, he sued this film, the the producers of this film, because it is reported that he paid somewhere in the ballpark of like a million dollars to be in it. Like he heard that this movie was going to be a thing and he's like, I want to be in it. And so he made a massive payment to be in it they shot scenes with him uh and none of them made it to the final cut of the film but the original deal that he was supposed to be was like eight minutes of screen time and like so many lines of dialogue uh which didn't happen and thank god it it didn't but yeah yeah this this guy he's something it is I cannot even scratch the surface of all the stupidity that is this one particular dude, but there's your, your little tidbit (laughs) was the guy who couldn't become a Navy SEAL also couldn't even pay his way into acting like one. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I'll, uh, I'll send, I'll send you some, some YouTube materials to, yeah, there's to look at. A lot of a lot of douchebags in the walls of society today, much like rats. And there certainly is. <laughs> I'm trying to think about anything else I wanted to bring up about this movie. The score of the movie that when him and Jax was it? The dude that got shot in the head. Just Axe, not Jax. Axe. I thought it was, okay, Axe. When him and Axe saw that helicopter coming in, they're like, yay, we're saved. And then the stab of music, RPG, it blows up. And then they're like, aw. <laughs> yeah, the, the score of this film was definitely a little overdramatic. Like, uh, like at the beginning of the film when they're just like at the the military base and it sounds like the opening to Friday Night Lights. So like, doom, doom, doom. I'm like, Jesus Christ, guys. Like, could we not get something a little more like upbeat, like blood pumping, I guess, but like, did it, did it, I don't know. Yeah, like get some rock going. Yeah, like these are supposed to be hard guys. Ugh, steroids. No way. America. <laughs> oh well. But I I liked the film when it came out and I still like it. Um I think this film definitely falls into that pork chop film category where it's like, I will watch this. <clears throat> I, I I would watch this film if I had the house to myself for a weekend and I would, you know, cook myself up a, a nice dinner for myself and just relax and enjoy it. Um, I don't think it's a film that I would be like, yeah, this is what I want to do for movie night with the friends over. Like, but it's it's definitely, it's an enjoyable film. And it's, it's a it genuinely... Is an interesting story and I highly recommend reading the book or even following Marco Sotrell on the, the social medias because he's lived a, a very interesting life 
since this has occurred that he actually has two books his second book uh the crazy thing is is so all of this happened he recuperated and then he did another like he went back he did a tour in iraq after all this happened and that's what his second book is about is his follow-up tour and hmm. like that's just that is insane to me um but you know he he's a he's a hard individual you know but even yeah. even since his military career he's he's lived a very interesting life i would read his book but dp you know i can't read yeah that's fine if you ever come out here and uh have pictures yeah a couple oh it's one of those it's one of those books where it's like a whole bunch of words and then there's a couple of pages of pictures in the middle and then a whole bunch of of words again Ooh. i know if you ever came out here and visited i can uh i can take you to the danny deets memorial okay because he's actually he's from colorado so his uh his his grave is at Fort Logan Cemetery, which is not far from me. And then he has uh, he has a statue, and then there's also a, a like a memorial marker for the entire uh, Operation Red Wings um, near Littleton, Colorado. I've been there a couple of times, and it's 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 quite nice. I really should take you up on that. I've been meaning to get back to Colorado sometime. Well, there's always a there's always a place for you in my heart. I mean, my bed. I mean, God yeah, damn it. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think it's about time to, to rate this thing. And uh, I'll let... You know what? You can choose this week. Um... Mm. Ch uh, chickens no ducks ducks oh yes yeah, bring me bring me a knife and then he brings him a duck no not a duck god damn it <laughs> i like ducks it's a good it's a good metric yeah what do you name what do you one thing it? that can't be used for see you can't do it um so how many how many ducks do you give this movie My heart wants to give this a four duck rating, but it's, I don't know. I am torn. Like, I love this film. I greatly enjoy it. I also, there's, there's storytelling elements that could have been done that would have made this way better. There's they could have changed up the score a little bit. Um, I don't know. It's, I want to give it a four, but a four doesn't feel appropriate. Um, I'll give it, I will give it three whole ducks and a headless duck. So three three whole ducks and a decapitated decapitated yeah. duck. I'll so give like it four a, ducks. Like a like a three point seven five duck rating. So god damn it. Um the tomometer for this movie, the critic rating is seventy five percent and the audience score is eighty seven percent. I could definitely see how audience score would, would be that high. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think my four out of five rating is apt. Alrighty. Well, I think it's time to pick our next film. Jack, what do we have on the docket for next week? Well, on the docket we got Star Trek Six. Right. You you can edit this part out. I'm genuinely curious. You want me to say Star Trek yeah, Six? Yeah, or... Star Trek Six. Yeah, Star Trek Six. 
undiscovered country, right? How, what the fuck's the title of this? It's Star Trek Six colon. Oh, shut up. The, undisco the Undiscovered Country. Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. This is requested by one of our fans, and we live to please our fans. I cannot wait to discuss the merits of this as a film. Oh, if you can't don't tell act by so the excited. <laughs> if you can't. What? How am I supposed to understand it? We haven't seen one through five. We don't need... We don't even need to watch it. We just kind of I need to understand the basic story of Star Trek, I guess. Like, I, I understand. Hey, he, I, our, I understand our beloved fan told. My Go beloved ahead. fan, or our, sorry, communism, our beloved fan told, told us that we don't have to watch the other five to understand this. We just, yeah, I need to understand basic Star Trek, which you... You've you've engaged in pop culture in the last couple of decades, so you've absorbed yes. at least some of it by osmosis. Yeah, and I've I've watched some of like I've watched a few episodes from each of the Star Trek series, and I've seen two of the like modern adaptations of it. So I I I get the basic premise of Star Trek. It's just I feel like I might be missing something somewhere along the way. Well, we'll see you next week. Tune in next week for Armchair Commander's podcast. You know, I'm going to have you record that, and that can be our, our exit from now on. Armchair Commander's podcast. Get him, Agnew! <laughs> the headless body of Spiro Agnew. <laughs> All right. Well, if you enjoyed the show, please leave a review. The stars do matter. If you want to engage with us or get additional content, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Armchair Commanders Podcast. We are also on YouTube under the History Apprentice channel. Uh, if you know anybody who likes war movies or needs a new podcast, please show them our show. We'd love to have our stuff listened to for once. Jack, do you have anything else? I do not. Well then, until next time, I've been John. And I'm Jack. And we'll catch you next week.